0: bear with my voice. I had a cold since last Sunday and about two days ago I finally got to the point where I could uh, begin to talk right again and then I let it go on and can it be so not much left. In Matthew 5:13. we're going to be looking this morning at what it means to be salt of the earth. You are salt of the earth but if the salt has lost its taste how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Matthew Matthew Henry, in the context of this verse, context meaning the Beatitudes and what's just happened on the Sermon on the Mount, says nothing is more useful than sun and salt. And you see in verse 14 of Matthew 5, if you're looking there, you are the light of the world. So we have two things here between 13 and 16 showing us we're the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth. We're going to focus primarily on this salt of the earth passage but we see, uh, according to Matthew Henry, and uh, practically as well, that light and salt are two of many, but two of the very core things that are needed for the sustaining of life. The word salary, uh, if you take out a salary, if you gain, uh, draw a salary from a company, that word was derived from the word salt. That was oftentimes how they'd pay. And it's interesting, when you study these type of things, God's creation, if you type in online, salt... Uh, I had to laugh when I pulled up a, a, a website this morning. It said, salt salt has been used as far back as 6050 B.C. And I had to laugh because they're thinking, well, that, it, that's as far back as we found it. And I wanted to say, and that's as far back as you will find it because there's nothing before then. But it's, um, salt has been around and, and the, certainly the Lord has used it. Um, the word salad comes from salt, because the Romans would salt their leafy greens and vegetables. So if you're going to have a salad today for lunch, the fellowship luncheon, that's because of the word uh, salt. According to the Salt Institute, there are 14,000 known uses for salt. So as George Washington Carver explored the peanut, if you have a desire as a young scientist, I'm sure there are a lot more than 14,000 uses for salt, but that's what they've come up with so far. For instance... If you don't like your candles, ladies, to drip and make a mess on your table, soak them in a strong salt solution two or three hours when they're brand new, and they won't drip. If you want to test egg freshness, you've got a questionable egg, you take it, two teaspoons of salt in a cup, drop in the egg. If it's fresh, it'll float. If it's bad, it'll sink. You can kill poison ivy. Been trying to do that, salt does that for you. If you want to extend your broom life, if you're on the thrifty side of things and you have one of those natural brooms before you use it, soak it in salt and it will extend the life of it. You can remove soot from soot from a chimney. You can keep your milk fresh. Now, I'm not of the opinion you should drop a little bit of salt in your milk. To me, that would make it go bad. But if you want to keep it longer, a little pinch of salt will help that. Prevent sliced fruit from turning brown. Brightened yellowed linens does better than bleach. There are many things that salt does. Salt is vital to the human body. You must have it. Christ is the lifeblood of the saved. And Christians, as we will see this morning, should be the life and light of the world. Salt is vital. But as we will see, us as Christians... God has created us to be vital for his glory and the proclamation of the gospel. We're going to ask ourselves, as we would uh, hope to do for every text of Scripture, we're going to ask ourselves some questions this morning about the text. And the first one we're going to ask is what are some of the functions of physical salt that can be seen in the life of a Christian by way of analogy? And the first one I would offer you is salt creates a flavor. Well, if you can think about this, you take your table salt. And you have something that you are eating that is slightly bland, you add some salt and it comes alive with a flavor. And the question, obviously, for ourselves is what is the flavor of life that you would have as a Christian? When people come in contact with you, what happens? Do they gain a new flavor on life or do they meet a bland individual? Do, they, do you bring excitement to something that is normal? Well, us as Christians should be able to see excitement in anything, in the normality, quote-unquote, of life, because we understand the creation and who God is and His works and His plans. We should create a distinguishable mark between ourselves and those who do not have Christ. If you take two uh, bowls of food, have the exact same, maybe the same bowl of soup, In the same pot, if you add one that one has salt and one does not, there is a distinguishable mark between both bowls of soup. And that should be the way it is with us as Christians. There should be a distinguishable mark between us and the world. Now, notice in the passage, if you're looking there, it says in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine. I think we could apply, because of the analogy being spoken here of salt in verse 13, In the same way, let your salt be salty so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The passage doesn't say that they may see your good works and feel good or that they may see your good works and be encouraged, but rather the passage says that they may see your good works and give glory to God. So what is clear very much in this passage is that your good works are not just enough. So if you're thinking, well, I'm going to make a, a distinguishable mark upon the world or have a flavor as a Christian of one who is doing good deeds, it's not enough. Because there are many people who do good deeds. My grandfather is probably the kindest, most godly pagan I know. Because he's just a man who, who loves people. And he'll, take, he'll give you the shirt off his back. He's just a very kind gentleman there's got to be something more than just the good works. Your good works must have a flavor of Christ. It must have the fruit of the Spirit. It must have self-sacrificial love. But I will will encourage you with this, that a little salt goes a long way in creating flavor. So just, just a little bit can go a long way. Now, obviously, you want to do more and more, but if you're, if you're a little discouraged by not creating the flavor that you want, seek the Lord, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, go to work at it, and the Lord will bless that small work and create it a bigger impact. <coughs> Steve Gro- Gross, an author, recounts the story of the day Woodrow Wilson, president, had some salt sprinkled on him in a barber shop. And here's Wilson's testimony. Wilson said, I was in a very common place. I was sitting in a barber chair when I became aware that a personality had entered the room. A man had come quietly in upon the same errand as myself to have his hair cut, and he sat in the chair next to me. Every word the man uttered, though it was not in the least didactic, showed a personal interest in the man who was serving him. Before I got through with what was being done to me, I was aware that I had attended an evangelistic an evangelistic service because Mr. D. L. Moody was in that chair next to me. I purposely lingered in the room after he had left and noticed the singular effect that his visit had brought upon the barbershop. Everyone talked in undertones. They didn't know his name, but they knew something had elevated their thoughts, and I felt that I had left that place as I should have left a place of worship. Martin Lloyd Jones commented on that same incident, saying, Moody was a rather stoutish man, nothing to look out, and yet the moment he came in, everything changed in that barber shop. Conversation changed. There was an obvious and evident difference. Moody did not preach in the barber shop, he was just being the Christian that he was. And I think we could say he had the flavor of Christ. Now, I want to make a note here about this being a flavor of Christ. Because there's a There's a temptation on us as Christians that we've all been tempted to do today as we got ready to come to church. And that is this. We've thought, if I put on this, maybe it's a suit. Maybe it's the pretty makeup. Whether it's a ministry smile. Whatever it is that you put on this morning because you felt like, you know, I haven't been in the Word. And I've been in sin this week. And I have drifted off what I know is what God would want me to do. Maybe I've spoken unkindly to an individual and I haven't made that right. So I'm going to come this morning seeking to mask what truly is my flavor. But you know the truth of it is, salt is very plain looking. And it's like food that you look at and you think, man, that's looking a little iffy. I'm not sure that's any good. And then you taste it. like, wow, that was really delicious. It didn't have much on the way of looks, but it was delicious. Well, that's the same way with us as Christians. We can come to church wanting to look, but the flavor, the taste, is really what is the attitude of our heart. And I think we would all agree that just a little bit of conversation, it doesn't take anybody long that at least has a desire to know you deeper than just a hello and a goodbye to realize the flavor that you can't mask that. You can't mask the true flavor. And eventually... As time goes on, you might be able to do it for a week or two, but the true self of of who you really are and what's really going on inside is going to become evident. Because if there's no flavor, you're not going to admit any flavor, and that flavor has to come from the salt, from the gospel. So the first function we discussed is it creates a flavor salt creates a flavor salt promotes action number 2 salt promotes action here are some things that salt does salt is very potent as an antiseptic so it's going to promote the uh, or retard the spread of bacteria and promote healing salt generates warmth Salt lowers the freezing point of water, and for this reason, causes ice and snow to melt. That's why we would have the millions of tons used annually on our nation's highways, as it's seeking to create warmth and save people's lives. Salt promotes cleanliness. Uh, you would take, you use a compound, a sodium compound, called soda ash that is uh, used in the manufacture of soap and has salt in it. And that's what, you, that's what you make soap out of. You have to put that in. So salt's used to cleanse things, clean things. Salt removes hardness. 20% of salt mined in the U.S. is often used to soften water. It, remi- it replaces hard minerals with sodium. So you can see for us as Christians where this applies. We must promote action by our flavor in the lives of those around us. If you come upon a person who's bitter, they're hard. You should be able to soften them by the promotion, by the, by the preaching of the gospel. And maybe just like Dwight al Moody, just by your flavor, you soften an individual. You should be able to promote cleanliness, obviously speaking in the spiritual way. But as has been well noted around the world, if you bring the gospel into something, it oftentimes promotes physical cleanliness. You should have a warmth about you. You should be an antiseptic, being able to take the, old, the, the nasty, the unclean, the bacteria of sin, and God using you to direct others to Christ. Now, I, I would again point you to the passage of Matthew 5, verse 16, again, that point of good works, <clears throat> if you're going to promote action, you as a Christian are unable to be a closet Christian. You can't simply say, I'm a believer, but I'm just going to kind of feel it and hope everybody else feels it. No, they've got to see, physical, see your good works. So that promotion of change, action, promotion of action has got to, become, has got to be visible to them in some way, shape, or form. <clears throat> The, longer, the farther I, I get away, as, as a way of analogy and helping to understand this, not, you can't just feel it. You've got to act out. We know this according to James as well. There's got to be works with your faith. But the farther I get away, um, in a humorous way, from the age of 14, and if you're 14 years old, don't take offense to this, when you, because when you hit my age at 30, 16 years down the road, you'll agree with me, 14 is a really weird age, and the farther away I get away from it, I feel how much more weird that was. Because I remember at 14 going, I love Jesus Christ, and I should want people just to see it in my eyes. So there are photos of me with a whole group, because we'd go on field trips and stuff like good homeschoolers do. We'd go on field trips and stuff, and they'd take pictures of this field trip we went on, and I would, wouldn't be smiling but if you took went back to 14, you know what I was doing? I was thinking, well, they should just be able to see it in my eyes, so I'm just going to have bright eyes. They can, It doesn't work. It's, you got to be able to see the smile. Show me some teeth, right? It's the same way. You can't just walk into a room and, I love Jesus, so I'm just going to feel this, and they're going to feel it too. No, there, there, there must be something visible that they can catch. Salt promotes, uh, creates a flavor, salt promotes action. Number three, is, uh, salt creates a thirst for something satisfying. When I was in Alert, we would go to different um, disaster and relief opportunities. So there'd be a disaster, we'd go in and we'd clean up things. And the Salvation Army and the local Baptist church and <clears throat> the Lady Society and I mean, just every person who wasn't physically able to go lift uh, some debris off of someone's house they wanted to help and so it seemed like when you went into these places um, what people just found is a way to serve and help other people is they just give you water and so we just be inundated by water and so i probably tasted 20 or 30 different types of bottled water i mean they just and you know which one tastes the best and it's i don't know it's clearly kind of crazy. But if you just go buy, get a bottle of water, Dasani actually tastes the best out of at least the 30 or 40 that I've tasted. And you know why? Dasani has salt in it. And so it leaves you thirsty for a little more. I just keep drinking. This stuff tastes pretty good. Why? Because it's creating in you a thirst. I've got to keep drinking this. Salt, when you taste it, it tastes wonderful, but it creates a thirst for something else. And it's not salt. Something else has to satisfy. You've got the quote, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And my father-in-law has said, but you can salt the oats, and that'll make him drink. And we can lead other people to Christ. We can't make them come to Christ. But by our saltiness, we can give them a desire for something that they cannot find in us, nor in anywhere else in the world. And that true satisfaction can only be found in Christ. So us as uh, Christians, as salt creates a physical thirst, we should uh, a- come into people's lives and create a thirst for something deeper and more satisfying. creates a flavor, promotes action, creates a thirst, and there's many other, many others, but I'm going to finish with one more. Salt preserves. Salt preserves. Now this would be in the uh, not necessarily in the protection side of preserving. Although there is that aspect of that, but it's not necessarily that you're going into, say, a wild game preserve and they're protecting all these animals. This is more from the keeping of something from decomposing or fermenting. And we would know this because you would salt your meat. And salt is such a good uh, preservant that salt, meat that is salted will last more, uh, up to six months longer than if you just put it in the refrigerator. Well, think about this. If you put it in the refrigerator, what is the refrigerator doing? Well, it's blocking out all these external things, flies, dust, etc., that would pollute the meat. It's blocking that out and creating a cool environment. But salt gets right in and on that meat. It just permeates it right there. And it preserves it from within there rather than just creating this kind of a hedge around it. And that's the same way we should be as Christians. We've got to be intimately involved with people's lives. So you can't just come to church and say, hi, how you doing? Good. Have a great week. Bye. It doesn't work as the body of Christ. You won't be sustained. You won't be pres- we won't be preserved as a church. We must be intimately involved in the lives of others. And notice that salt has been inserted into a situation in order to make an impact. So it's not from without there, it's inserted directly into the situation. Salt does not attract others to itself, it infiltrates the environment it's placed into. So we may not be, and as Christ was, or as D.L. Moody was in that analogy, very attractive, at least by a moral way, or a spiritual way, But we are called to be proactive and insert ourselves. And we'll look at that in a little while in Scripture. We we as Christians must be proactive in our faith. We cannot sit idly by and hope and expect something good to happen for the cause of Christ as long as we stay out of trouble and out of sight. Let me make a note in this spirit of preservation on the gospel ministry that we have been called to that mimics the life of Christ. And we're in Matthew 5, and I want you to flip with me one chapter back to Matthew 4. And then we're going to go to Matthew 9 here. And just by way of comment on this uh, inserting into people's lives in order to preserve, uh, preserve life is really what is happening here. We're, we're called to insert ourselves in others that we might bring Christ, we might bring the gospel in others that they might be preserved. Obviously not by us, but by, but by the gospel. But if we're going to have that ministry and you want to get involved intimately in people's lives. And I think there's, the, there's oftentimes this um, really false perception of what gospel ministry looks like. And there are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of thousands, of people that every day um, want to do something. Or that every year sign up to go to semin- seminary or to go to the mission field or something other uh, type of ministry like that in the proclamation of the gospel. And they have a false understanding of really what this looks like. And it's not as pretty of a picture as it looks like. And we can see that in Matthew 4.23. Look with me. In verse 23, Matthew 4, verse 23. And he went throughout. This is Christ, what he's doing here. This is right after the temptation of Jesus. He's just called the first disciples. Um, really the beginning of his ministry. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Hey, that sounds like something I want to be involved in. You just preach it, they come up, you touch them, they're healed, done. But read further. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the famous, the wonderful, the great personalities, everyone, people that everyone loved. No, no. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Now go with me to Matthew 9. See this in verse 35, Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, what were the crowds? We saw it in Matthew 4.23. What were the crowds? Those were sick. Those were unsightly. Those were afflicted with various diseases and pains, oppressed by demons. He saw those people. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The gospel ministry is always going to attract the unattractive and the unwanted and oftentimes the unhealthy. So if you want to be salt of the earth, don't go in with this perception of everyone's going to love me and everyone's going to be who I would want to hang out with and who I would want to be with. Not so. They're going to be exactly the same way you were before Christ came into your life. Unattractive, unhealthy, unlovely, unwanted. Salt, to really make an impact, has to come into contact with plain things or unsightly things. Think of a, a plain um, pita bread. They're just, just as plain as you can get. In order for salt to take really effect, it's got to come into effect with something plain. Or think of a, a nasty wound that's going to be uh, healed or uh, rid of disease. Salt has to come into contact with that to really make an impact. We looked at four functions, physical functions of salt that apply spiritually. We looked at creating a flavor, promoting action, creating a thirst for something, other, for something else that satisfies, and preserving now, let's go back to Matthew 5. If you're in Matthew 9, flip back with me to Matthew 5 and look with me again at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Let's ask ourselves the question here. If, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Now, we're not speaking in the context of losing your salvation because we know that that's not the teaching of Scripture those that are Christ will remain with him he will keep them however it seems as if you can lose some of your flavor some of your saltiness what are some let's ask the question what are some ways we can lose our saltiness i'm going to give one now and one at the end by way of application Salt in its chemical form is very, very stable. And that's why it can be used in so many different ways, up to 14,000 waves. In those 14,000 waves, it reacts and affects its environment for oftentimes a quite a long time. It is really by only one sub... really two. There's two substances that can dilute salt one is water and two is electricity you can infuse it and break it apart most everything else salt is going to maintain its stability so the first way i would, would it offer to you of a way you're going to lose or i'm going to lose my saltiness is that i'm going to be by being diluted by exposure to the elements. Now, we would say, obviously, the elements of the world. Exposure, what I'm not saying is, you lock yourself in your house or you lock your children in a bubble and you never expose them to the world. That's not what I'm saying. And I'll show that in scripture here in a second. What I'm saying is that if you're you're gonna be diluted by exposure to the elements of the world, if you have no offensive strategy to infiltrate that system rather than being diluted and corrupted or watered down of your own system. So if you just walk out into the world wanting to, as say the the prodigal son or Dinah, walked out into the world to just see what's out there, no offensive strategy, no thought or reason or purpose, just wanting to see what's out there, and this wrong thought of I'll maintain who I am, they'll be who they are, and we'll coexist will not happen. You will be corrupted and you will be diluted, and your saltiness, your salt will lose its saltiness. Go with me to First Peter by way of showing what we should do with this offensive strategy. Look with me at First Peter chapter two. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 9, by way of context, but really what we're looking at is 11 and 12. But you are a chosen race, Now, who is, uh, we've noted this before, but Peter is writing to us, Christians, us as Christians. You see that in verse 1 of this, to those elect exiles, those that are in Christ. So this is to us. But we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. The gospel has come. You are his. Now what? This is where we want to focus in this understanding of the world will world system will dilute you unless you come with an offensive strategy. Beloved, verse 11 of First Peter 2. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Abstain from the world system. So you could say, well, hey, there's a great reason why I just need to Pull it all in. Reign it in. Lock myself down. Create this nice little commune. We'll be good. What does verse 12 say though? Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So there's, this, there's an abstaining for the cause and reason of being among. This is the Great Commission, is it not? So your saltiness will be diluted Unless you're abstaining for the purpose of engaging the world for Christ. If you walk out with a desire of I won't engage them, they won't engage me, we'll be good, won't work. You will be diluted. If you walk out with a desire, I would I have been I have been taking my quiet time. I went to church on Sunday. I listened to the preaching of the Word. I have sought to grow in my walk with Christ in order that I may engage the world Better equipped, you can do it. It's a dangerous business, but it's one you're called to do. Bad company corrupts good morals. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-three: Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans twelve. We're not supposed to wrap or conform ourselves to the world, and I would say, obviously, that means the the world system engaging in the world's lifestyle, the world's entertainment, the world's thought processes, the language of the world, the system of thinking, the worldview, the belief system that is contrary to God's word or to have nothing to do with it. And I would take you, by way of encouragement uh, and practical application, go with me to Psalm 1. If you want to kind of have the litmus test to how am I doing And not losing my saltiness and being diluted, here's a good, just a good question to walk you through. Just verse one of Psalm one. Blessed is the man, or we could say salty is the man who walks, and we've talked about this before, we won't stay here long, but we see the progression of walking, then stopping and standing and then sitting, but who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, and this, there's a progression to sin. We know this. don't want to get too far off. But how are you doing with walking by sin? If you're like Joseph, you're going to run. Are you kind of walking? Hey, that wasn't too bad. That looked pretty good. Or I'd just like to take a little... I just want to get a second glance to make sure it's not that bad. It happens, doesn't it? That's walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the way of sinners. Again, this is the dilution factor. I'm not going to hurt them they're not going to hurt me we're just going to kind of stand together nor sits in the seat of scoffers good question to ask is are you supporting anything that is scoffing mocking God you may not be doing it yourself but if you're seating in the area with them and they're doing it you're supporting you're saying hey by my presence I am confirming that you're doing you're doing pretty good and here they are mocking and scoffing God. We do these things, we will be diluted. We will lose our saltiness. Third question I want to ask this, ask this morning of the text is what is the purpose? Go back to Matthew 15 with me. Or Matthew 5, excuse me, Matthew 5 with me. What is the purpose of being a salty Christian? Well, we know that answer pretty well. I want to look at it in a slightly different light. You see the the reason there in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And what is the purpose of being a salty Christian? And give glory to God. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now that's the end goal, is it not? We know that we're created for the glory of God. That's the end goal, is to see him glorified in your saltiness. Well, let's turn that slightly. Because if that's the end goal, then why do we oftentimes fail in reaching that end goal? The reason, unfortunately, for me, and you might be able to agree with me, of when I fall short, or how often I fall short of being a salty Christian, is that I switch that end goal subtly, but instead of wanting to glorify the Father, I want to glorify myself. Instead of Him increasing, me decreasing, how about me increase and Him take a little bit of a back seat? How about I would prefer the desire of men more than the approval of God? How about I have a nice little idol over here and I'd rather see that stroked and petted rather than see have to take the humble route and god be glorified we fight that every day and in desiring the wrong end goal my saltiness drives people away from god in disgust because it's not salty is it you pick up a salt shaker you pour it on your food, and you, drink, and you eat it. Wow, that tastes really good. You pick up a salt shaker that maybe has been exposed to uh, some, some of the elements, some moisture, and you're shaking it, and nothing comes out, or a few dribbles come out. What do you do? Get rid of this thing. Give me something that really works. And it frustrates the person. That's the same way we are on the world. You claim to be a Christian? I don't want anything to do with your God if, if you're the byproduct if you're the flavor that I get when I eat that salt, eh, no thank you. I'll move along. A little salt goes a long way, but there needs to be some saltiness there and that comes from having the right end goal, which causes us to have to go continually back to Scripture and seek to die to self. I would also uh, say in our desire to be salty Christians that salt works best as far as being a flavor when it contacts something, if it's spread out. You ever had the cake that wasn't quite mixed and you bit into that one part that had all the salt coagulated right there? Didn't work so well. That one part didn't taste well and neither did the rest of the cake. It works best when it's spread out. And we as Christians, especially uh, Christians that are like-minded, um, Christians that are involved in the same things in life, Christians that are often around, times around each other during the week, um, Christians that we, we uh, talking to David Craig a few weeks ago in, in, in up in Washington, he said, you guys just like each other. I said, we do. We just like to hang out with each other. But to really be effective, there needs to be this coming together, but then spreading out and going out and and permeating Life around you, your workplace, your FedEx driver, you know, whatever, whoever it is, really affecting those that are around you. Not just kind of going, Well, here I am, and I'm gonna, I can't wait to get back with those people, which is a great thought. That's wonderful. But you go there to be strengthened that you might go out and be spread apart. Last question I want to ask us this morning in closing. We've talked about some of the functions of salt that can be seen in the Christian life. By way of analogy, we've talked about uh, what are some ways we can lose our saltiness. I mentioned one. I'll mention another here in a moment. What is the purpose of being a salty Christian that God might be glorified? And oftentimes we miss God's glorification because we, we change the end goal in subtle ways. And then the last question is, if you have lost your saltiness, or you've been diluted as a Christian, can you regain it? Or the better question, I think, would be, how can we maintain our saltiness so we never do lose it? Now, follow along with me here. Watch how this works. We are salt of the world. We're commanded to be And yet we become salt by being seasoned by the salt of the gospel. This is why we have salt as a metaphor in scripture. This is why if you go to a wedding, they're gonna use a salt, sometimes they use a salt covenant because that in the Old Testament was the most binding of covenants that two individuals can make together. And we know that The 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 closest binding now covenant that is made between us and God is the gospel. We oftentimes break our covenant; God never does. We talked about that two weeks ago, but we've been seasoned by the gospel, and then we we we've we've been seasoned by the gospel because salt, the gospel, the salt gospel being salt, it's done its work. There was at some time in your life, whether young or older, where there was a quick, very penetrating, powerful infiltration of your heart by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The work of Christ that created an everlasting bond, that everlasting covenant between us and the God of the universe. Look with me in Colossians 4. Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. That's the gospel. It's not talking about us. You can't season yourself. We're called to be salt, but there's also the gospel that's salt. We become salt through the salt of the gospel. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, there's the gospel coming to you. Now it has infiltrated and permeated your life. You are now salty and called to go be salt to the world. Go to Mark 9 by way of going back to Matthew 5. Mark 9. Mark 9, verse 50. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. See the gospel there? The salt of the gospel has to be in you to be salty. So now go back with me to Matthew 5. Let's close with this thought. I mentioned earlier the way to lose your saltiness is by being diluted by the exposure to the elements of the world with no offensive strategy for doing so. And as mentioned, there was one other way you can lose your saltiness. And that is really, there has to be Oftentimes it's electricity, but there's another way of, think of it physiologically. I take my tortilla chip and I put salt on it and I put it in my mouth and I taste that salt and there's this flavor that comes alive, okay? that's some, there, There's the salt, okay? The salt, if not for water and not electricity, the only other way I'm going to dilute this physiologically is if I have a change from within. I have... Corrupted my taste buds to such an extent by something I've been eating or doing that no longer has that taste. Okay, confession. You ever been on a long road trip and you wanted to stay awake and so you got sour Skittles and ate the whole bag? Your tongue gets really weird and you really can't taste much. There's a physiological change from within inside. It just kind of gets fat. There's a physiological change and you can't taste any more Sour Skittles or anything else for that matter. It's been corrupted from in. Is the Sour Skittle still sour? Very much so. I can't taste it anymore because there's been a physiological change from within. So there's the way to dilute it from the outside, but if the salt is going to have a the salt's going to have a taste. So unless, unless I change physiologically inside, that salt's going to be salty. So if you want to dilute yourself, you're going to do it from the outside or you're going to do it from the inside. And the inside is going to happen uh, by way of spiritual analogy, by apathy of the heart or by harboring sin. Maybe there's a little idolatrous lust that I like to pet Keep my own enjoyment. Maybe there's young people. This is where sometimes we fall prey. There's skepticism to the scriptures. Hear that. There's skepticism to the scriptures. I want you to hear that. Does the Bible really apply in 2014? I mean, come on. Is it really wrong to look at a little pornography? Really, is that that really that bad? Nobody else knows. Skepticism to the scriptures. Ladies, men, this applies to you too. Is modesty really that big of an issue in Scripture? Is that just kind of one to float on? Do I really have to go to church if I'm under grace? Why can't I just stay home and do whatever I want to do? Skepticism toward the scriptures. There's a pride that arises. And I I'm such a busy schedule today. I really don't need the word of God or prayer on that daily basis to feed my soul. I think I'm going to fast spiritually today and not have the word and not have the prayer. Maybe I'm going to put some of my trust in men or ministries or ideas in the place of God. And you know, you physiologically change in analogy, your taste buds. So the salt of the gospel no longer has the flavor to you. It's still very flavorful by itself, but you've kind of lost this, and then because the salt's not coming in, the salt doesn't go out. And there's no flavor. You've diluted yourself from the inside. We've got to be extremely careful. What do we do? We know what we do. When we slip, when we fall, when we find ourselves seeing the condition of our heart in its true state by the light of Scripture. What should we do? You know what you should do. The question is, are you willing to get honest enough with yourself to determine if you're diluting yourself from the inside? It's easy to count the check marks and say, yep, didn't go to the movies, didn't watch this, didn't talk that way, blah, 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 blah. I'm not diluting myself from the outside. It takes a mature believer and a bold believer and a brave believer and a courageous believer and a humble believer to go to Scripture and say, What's the inside looking like? When nobody else is watching, what's my schedule look like? When no one's checking in, am I reading the word? Does it really matter? We repent. We turn. We seek the Lord once again. We go back to that fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins where sinners or me and you as sinners plunged beneath that flood and lost all our guilty stains. We go back to the source that can make you salty again because it never lost its flavor. It never lost its permeating ability into the heart of man. God is so good that he, for those who have believed in him alone for salvation from sin and death, is always prepared to extend that faithful grace. And may I encourage you, if you're sitting here today and you are a believer... And you're realizing, under the sound of my voice, by the Holy Spirit's power of the preaching of the Word, the truth here in Scripture, nothing I have said but the truth, that there is a lost taste for the gospel, repent and turn to Christ. And if you have never heard the gospel, and you're sitting there going, I want something different What you're saying is giving me a taste for something. I need something satisfying in my life. Let me tell you that Christ alone is the only thing that can satisfy. Humble yourself, according to scripture, believe that he has died on the cross from your saved, put your trust in him, and you shall be saved. That's it, it's as simple as that. And now the saltiness of the gospel will permeate your heart There will be a radical transformation and change, not by anything you have done, but by the power of God through the Holy Spirit. And you will be able to be salt and light to the world around us for the glory of God alone. Otherwise, all we're doing is living for ourselves. So may I encourage us today? We're we're called to be salt of the earth. This is not a choice. You did not sign up for this. You were called to this. You were drawn to this in the gospel. This is a imperative. This is a requirement of you as a believer. You have no choice. You must be salt. And the question will be, are you going to be salty salt or salt that people might entertain for a little bit and then they move on down the tracks? What? What a travesty it would be to find yourself before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he said, I gave you so many chances to be salty salt. I extended so much grace. And you you didn't want to change. And welcome, come in. Oh, I had so much more for you. I had so much more for me through you. And yes, God still is glorified and he will be. And he knows if we're failing, but he also has that grace and he doesn't want you to do that. And he wants to extend you that grace once again, as he always does, draw you back to himself where that full satisfaction is that you might be truly glorifying to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning and this passage of scripture. Thank you, Father, for sustaining my voice. And I thank you, Lord, for the admonition and the challenge that it, this passage is to my heart and I pray that it might have been to someone here today. Oh Father, do not let me the next six days of this week be a a weak watered down, diluted salt saltlessness very unsalty Christian. Oh Father, I, I just pray that there would be through your word, that we would be overwhelmed by the salt of the gospel, the flavor, the action that we're called to, all that is there in the gospel, but that we would, we, we would be drawn and driven to living that life of a salty Christian impacting the world around us, as we've seen men do like Dwight L. Moody, that when we just just come into the presence of people by the tone of our voice, by the caring way we interact with them, by our desire to turn the, the conversation to Christ, we might be an impact upon the world. And don't let us, Father, slip. Father, I pray if there is someone here under the sound of my voice that has never heard the gospel or has heard it for the first time today or maybe heard it for the thousandth time today and yet for the first time their eyes have been opened by your Holy Spirit and they see their need for the salt of the gospel to bring life to them that they would repent. Give them the grace to draw near to you Give them the grace to trust you alone for salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the payment for their sins and come into a full and right relationship with you, not by their own accord, but through the work of Christ upon the cross, his burial and resurrection. Thank you for this morning, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.